Welcome everyone to the Optimal Performance Podcast. My name is Sean McCormick. I'm a life coach, performance coach, wellness entrepreneur, and it's my pleasure to bring to you every single week the world's leaders in the field of performance so that you can live your life at its most optimal level. Plus, cutting edge ideas so that you can stay ahead of the curve in an ever-changing world. Let's dig right in. Okay, so by now you probably know that genetic testing is a fairly normal thing. You know, you can you could submit data, you can submit saliva or blood and get tests to, to understand what's going on in your genes. And uh, you've either heard of somebody that's done Ancestry.com or 23andMe or you've done it yourself and you've learned some insights about maybe predispositions for, for illnesses or diseases down the road or you kind of know more about your body. Well, ORCID is a little bit different. ORCID uh, really focuses on the entire genome. That is 3 billion bases, 100% of your genome. And ORCID, you go to orchidhealth.com. And what this does is really for reproductive health. So you can do two things. You can get your couple's report to figure out based on your and your partner's genes uh, before you conceive your child, what sort of issues may come up for you. Uh, you can monitor biometrics. You can motive, uh, motivate earlier screening and make lifestyle changes based on the information that you get back. Uh, you can you can tailor your diet and fitness and health to make a healthier baby. And additionally, what you can do at Orchid is you can actually get embryo reports. So what is an embryo report? Well, you you get this test back and they actually look at all of the entire genome for these embryos. If you're doing in vitro, you can actually look at the entire genetic sequence of your entire embryo. And then if you're doing IVF, you can stagger and implant each of those in order of the most healthiest. Pretty incredible stuff. And the founder and CEO is with me today. Her name is Noor Siddiqui. And this is pretty cutting edge stuff. And she is very, very knowledgeable about this. And I say, well, what, well, you know, what do we stand to benefit? What are the implications for this going forward? This is pretty incredible. If you are interested in having the healthiest babies, there are resources like this available to you. You can understand about what your embryo, what your future children's brain health, heart health might be, what sort of cancers they may, susceptible, may be susceptible to. Uh, or their general health, like inflammatory bowel syndrome, type 1, type 2, uh, or uh, diabetes. Fascinating stuff, and I really enjoyed this conversation. We get into what you can learn about your own genetics as well as your unborn children. Now, they identify genetic markers and determine the risk involved with combination of inherited genes. We talk about how this is a uh, an industry creator. There is nothing quite as extensive as this. And we talk about the fact that uh, there is an added service that Orchid provides, which is genetic counseling. What changes you can make um, to have healthier babies and a healthier self. Fascinating information. This is really, really futuristic stuff here. This is like the sci-fi novels that I read as a kid about, you know, understanding what's going on in this uh, in, in the future about uh, about health. And you know, when I had children, you know, we would go in and do a test, and they would either say yes or no. Your your baby does not have the extra chromosome, so um, they will not have Down syndrome. And no, we don't see any 
uh, reason why they might have cystic fibrosis. That's kind of the only thing that you can learn in sort of this conventional pre-birth uh, process. And now you can learn a whole bunch more. And uh, it's really interesting stuff. Maybe not for everybody, but if you have the means and you have the time and you and your partner want to be really uh, intentional, uh, intentional, intentional with your unborn children and family planning, this is a really cool resource. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Noor Siddiqui of Orchid. And we're here with Noor Siddiqui, who is the founder and CEO of Orchid, a reproductive technology company. Noor, welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thanks so much for having me here. Let's start with explaining Orchid to us as if we were third graders. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so Orchid helps couples have healthy babies. And the way that we do that is we've developed a new type of genetic test for couples who are planning on having a child. And what we do is we analyze both partners' DNA and identify the disease risk, disease risk that's most likely to impact their future child's health. So we're looking for the top, top diseases, things like cancer, heart disease, schizophrenia, diabetes, conditions that really matter. And unlike most genetic tests where there's not something that you can actually do about the results that you get, uh, one of the op options that we offer is an embryo report where we actually quantify the level of risk in each embryo so couples can select the healthiest embryo to implant. So like overall, like, you know, our goal is to give couples peace of mind and give their children a better chance at a healthy life. Um, but that's sort of the, the, the high level explanation of, of what we're up to. Okay. So does, does this suggest that this is specifically for like IVF treatments uh, rather than, you know, doing it the old fashioned way? Yeah. So let me just drill into the details, I guess. So there's, there's two linked products. So the first product that we have is called a couple report. So this is a patient initiated at home saliva test. So any couple that's planning on conceiving, um, you know, it's not invasive. You just grab a spit kit from us and we sequence the entire genome of both you and your partner. And we provide you the most comprehensive genetic risk assessment of whether or not uh, you individually and your future child is going to be at elevated risk for any of these conditions that, that really matter. So we look at brain health, heart health, general health, so and cancer. So we look at, if you want, I can give you the, the full uh, list of diseases that we're looking at is um, schizophrenia, Alzheimer's disease, heart disease, stroke, breast cancer, prostate cancer, inflammatory bowel disease, type, type one and type two diabetes. And we're just, we're giving couples this um, sort of red light, green light. Are you at normal or elevated risk for passing on um, these diseases to your child? And if you are at elevated risk, we're actually quantifying how much mitigation would be possible if you were to go through embryo testing. So let's say a couple's at elevated risk for schizophrenia, not the couple's future child is expected to be elevated for schizophrenia. We tell you, okay, if you were to create five embryos or you know seven embryos during IVF, what is the level of risk that you'd be able to mitigate? Are you going to be moving your risk from you know four times the population average to you know the population average? So are you going to be moving from elevated risk to normal risk? So basically, we're trying to provide um, you know quantitative specific information for each individual couple about what is the level of risk that their future child is, is expected to inherit. Um, and then we do that based on uh, basically uh, simulations and modeling, right? So we take these, the whole genome of both partners and we say, what are all the different combinations for, um, you know, genetically what your, ch what your children could inherit from the two of you? And um, that provides a risk assessment that they can use to decide what their next steps are. So, you know, we're, we're totally for, you know, traditional conception for a lot of couples are going to find out they're at normal risk. They're going to have, you know, 100 percent. They're going to have, you know, peace of mind saying, OK, you know, we're, we're good to go. We should just conceive traditionally. 
Um, but for other couples, now they have this new option of, you know, I've met a lot of couples who they have really devastating disease in their family. You know, they have, um, they've seen a brother or sister go through cancer. They've seen a brother or sister go through, um, something like schizophrenia. And then that's, that's scared them so much about having a child that they've chosen just not to, not to have one at all. And I think that that's really, that's really devastating. Why is it that, um, some people carry this risk and aren't able to feel confident conceiving and other people, um, you know, you know, won the genetic lottery, they're healthy, they, they don't have anything to worry about. So we want to make sure that every couple, no matter what uh, family history they have, feels empowered to be able to um, safely uh, conceive. And that's what this report provides. It provides a lot of people peace of mind and it pro provides, you know, for people who find out that they're at elevated risk, like an actual action plan for what they can do. So the only action plan isn't going through IVF. And, you know, so, so during IVF, the second side of the product, we provide embryo reports. So for each individual embryo that you create, we sequence each of them and then quantify the level of risk that um, they would have. And then you and your clinical team are able to um, prioritize the embryo that's uh, lowest risk for the disorder that you're worried about. Um, so, but that's not the, you know, we're, we're not telling every couple, oh, if you're elevated risk, you got to go do IVF. That, that's definitely not our stance. Uh, it's just one of many options. So, you know, you'll speak with a genetic counselor and you can decide, okay, do we want to make um, some lifestyle changes? Do we want to change our nutrition? Do we want to change the biometrics that we're monitoring for ourselves and for our child? Um, do we want to go advocate for ourselves um, and go get additional preventative screening? There's so much that you can do with this knowledge that currently is just a complete black box, right? You just sort of have this, you have this vague idea of, oh, I have a family history, like aunt, aunt, um, you know, aunt Greta has X and it's like, well, how much does that affect me? You have to sequence your genome to find out how much genetic risk you individually carry. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I, I definitely, I definitely do want to get into the, to the embryo testing and the, and the, the follow-up for uh, the changes that you can make um, to have the greatest outcomes, but I do want to dig in a little the science a little bit. And and I, uh, I, I, I as I ask these questions, um, some of these may not be fair, but just that's just because I don't, uh, you know, I try my best to keep up. But um, is it is it do we presuppose? Is it safe to assume that if uh, egg from the gal and sperm from the guy, if there's both, if both of them have a a higher likelihood of Alzheimer's um, mm -hmm. or diabetes. Does that almost always translate to an increased uh, likelihood of Alzheimer's in their offspring? Yeah, so I think this is where there's a, an enormous amount of uh, nuance that I'll that I'll uh, quickly nerd out on. So basically, there, there's sort of this concept of like old school genetic testing and then modern genetics. So old school genetic testing is just looking at these single gene. Uh, like kind of Punnett square type, you know, you know, recessive uh, conditions. And the pro the problem with old school genetic testing is that it's really incomplete. So the vast majority of diseases that most of us care about, like heart disease or uh, diabetes, it's not driven by do you have this one SNP, this one variant or not, really. It's about collectively, there's millions of variants that are contributing to your overall risk. So old school genetics is just addressing this you know, less than 1% of the population who have these really rare variants that are very highly penetrant that they, that confer very high risk. So basically the type of modeling um, that we're doing is is, is much more um, complex and sophisticated than that. So basically you could uh, you could get a, uh, a old school type of test that just says, okay, you have one variant, right? But that one variant is a very small fraction of your overall risk for the disease. So that's why a lot of times people are really um, uninformed because they'll say, oh, you know, I don't have any genetic risk because I took this one test. But the reality is that one test that they that they took evaluated less than 1% of their genome, right? They're looking at a really small fraction. It's like, it's basically like, 
it's like reading a um it's like you know reading a book and just looking at the chapter summaries instead of actually reading the content of the book right it's like one page versus a thousand pages and that's um sometimes um you know gets gets lost in translation because people think oh every genetic test is the same and that's that's unfortunately not the case you can evaluate um any you can, you can evaluate as few as just a handful of variants, or you can evaluate the entire genome. So your genome has three billion bases in it. So we're looking at every single one of those. Most of these tests are looking at, um, you know, less less than 1% of, of uh, the variants that are actually going to be contributing to your overall risk. So that's why it's really important for us to do uh, the modeling on both sides. We're projecting your risk based on, um, you know, these millions of factors that are collectively going to drive risk in your future child. And um, unfortunately, it's not as simple as a, as a Punnett square to say, okay, one person uh, has, has one variant that's high risk or low risk. We're, we're actually looking at, um, you know, literally millions of combinations for how uh, these variants can recombine in a child. So, um, yeah, that's, it's, it's unfortunately not that simple. It, it is the case that um, couples who are, who are both high risk um, can, can have a child that's, uh, that's low risk. So basically, between you and your siblings, you share about 50% uh, of, of your DNA. And that's usually pretty surprising to folks because sometimes I'll ask, you know, between, uh, you know, siblings, how much DNA do they share? And they'll, their knee-jerk reaction is they'll say 100%. And I'll say, well, then what are twins? How much <laughs> DNA do they share? Yeah, right. So, so yeah, basically, it's just, it's just important to, to recognize that, um, you know, since siblings, so different embryos are, you know, they obviously have a lot of shared uh, shared DNA, but um, they, they do have, have different variants as well that they're inheriting. And that's why you do see variation where, even if, if both partners carry risk for a specific disease, um, you know, depending on the number of embryos that they create and depending on the genetic architecture, so specifically which variants are, are contributing to overall risk, um, it can be the case that even when both partners are high risk, there is a possibility of, of uh, creating an embryo that's low risk. And mm. unfortunately, you can't give really general answers. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, we can, we can always <laughs> reduce risk by 25%. And it's like, it's not like that. We have yeah. to look at, you know, the specific DNA of, of, of uh, the partners that are choosing to have a child. And then we have to look at a specific disease that, um, you know, they want to mitigate. And, um, you know, the, the, the other important disclaimer here is that um, genetics is a factor for all of these diseases, but it's not diagnostic, right? So if we go and tell you your normal genetic risk for a condition, that's not a guarantee that you're going to have a healthy life, right? So, right. and similarly, if you're, if you're at elevated genetic risk, that's not a, a guarantee that you're going to get uh, the disease. It just means that you're predisposed it means you're you know 3x 4x 5x sometimes 10x more likely to develop the disease but again it's it's not a guarantee and i think that um you know parents should um or couples who are, who are receiving the information should acknowledge that it's sort of it's a it's a factor and uh, uh it's something to consider but it's not uh you know we're, we're unfortunately not not there yet to be able to say something is, is, is fully diagnostic yeah well that yeah that's that's why that's why i said yeah, this isn't a, this is not a fair question because this is not that's <laughs> simple me tries to dub it down into a punnett square like oh well it's you know you got this is you definitely got it or you definitely don't got it or your kids you know future kids will um does this work the other way um so many questions uh so many simple simple questions um does it work the other way? For instance, uh, based on the test, uh, the saliva test from you know um, future parents, can you also screen for like fast twitch muscle fibers and uh, musical talent and you know bilingual capabilities or you know like being double jointed? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that the type of trade stuff is um, is super interesting, but uh, orchid is like really, really focused on disease mitigation. So we're really focused on what are the risks that, that have um, the most genetic component where 
there's the uh, the best scores to stratify risk for individuals. So we're really squarely focused on on um, on health optimization. But uh, I think that uh, there, there there's lots of sort of like fun genetic tests that, that you can take that'll tell you um, sort of some some of this uh, trade information is just not 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 our sweet spot. Yeah, got it, got it. So. Um... What what can it what what does Orchid well I guess that kind of answers that question is like what is it not I mean obviously you have the, your area of focus um, which is you know health health optimization um, wh- how does how does Orchid distinguish itself from specifically from other uh, from other tests that were available like is this the first of its kind where it's like direct to consumer versus like going in and working with your doctor. Yeah. So I guess in terms of distinguishing ourselves from other companies, that's not too much of an issue. Like we're, we're totally like category defining company, right? There's, there's no other, um, uh, genetic test that you can get that provides this level of information, um, in this context. So no other genetic test on the market is going to you know run a simulation and tell you what your future child genetic risks are. And we do that not only for your future child, but we also do that individually for you. So we, uh, report on you know you and your partner's risk for uh, heart disease, schizophrenia, all, all of the same conditions that we report on for your future child. So, other tests that are on the market, you know something like 23andMe and Ancestry, they're looking at less than two percent of your genome, and they're not using sort of these advanced statistical models to uh, quantify your risk for these uh, conditions that are actually uh, really important. All the other tests are looking at okay for really rare conditions. Um, you know, these like 4,000 or so really rare diseases where there's just one gene on or off. Do you have it? Um, that's, that's kind of where the, the rest of the market is sitting on. Okay. Let's, let's focus on rare disease. So things like a carrier screen, they'll actually just sequence a fraction of the genome of one partner. And then if that result uh, is positive, then they'll say, okay, let's sequence the, the male partner. So it's basically this, 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 um, you know, it's, it's great. I think people should do that, but it's just, it's addressing a much um, smaller fraction of, of overall disease risk. So we're the first company, the first test to uh, fully sequence the genomes of both uh, individuals and then report on the diseases that really matter. So the most highly prevalent conditions that are uh, affecting us. And then we're also the only company that on the other side actually offers a mitigation option. So instead of just telling you, hey, you know, your future child's going to be high risk, we actually offer um, the ability to, to, you know, do embryo, embryo testing and mitigate that risk. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that's, that's fascinating. Interesting. Interesting. You know, you said industry establishing technology that says it all, right. And you're the first, you're the first to do this. That's, that's, that's really cool. Um, so, so guy and a gal doing the spit test, they send it in, the, they get the results. Um, you know, it's, I'm sure everybody's just like a mixed bag, um, you know, normal, normal, normal. You go to the website. Your website's beautiful, by the way. It really does explain exactly how it works, uh, and and uh, and shows you know examples of some of the test results. So I assume that you know, in any given test, there's going to be lots of things that are normal. There's going to be a few things that are abnormal or high risk, or a few things that are low risk. So then, beyond once you get those results, I guess my question is like, well. Uh, what besides the obvious things like um, you know nutritional changes, lifestyle factors, um, you know stress and sleep and, and those sorts of things, like what when someone gets the result that their potential that their future offspring will or have really like a, a really high potential for for diabetes, let's say, um, mm-hmm. is there specific protocols or specific things that you then that your team like instructs to help people make changes in their lifestyle to help like reduce that risk or lower that risk? 
Yeah, so it's really um, disease dependent. So I would say that there's a lot of really interesting um, technology that's coming on the market that allows people to really monitor their biometrics. So for something like atrial fibrillation, I think that Apple's doing an incredible job of this, right? Right on your wrist, you know, you can tell the time, you can go to run, and you can also, you know, monitor whether or not you're having an, an abnormal um, heart rhythm, right? You have an EKG on your wrist. So I think that monitoring biometrics is going to be a huge part of how people proactively monitor health, their health in the future. You know, we have continuous glucose monitoring to monitor your, your diabetes risk. Um, so I think monitoring your biometrics is a huge part of just staying on top of these conditions. So you can just, you can know, um, you know, in real time, am I in the normal or elevated uh, range for this disease? And that way you can, you can, um, you know, more, more closely know, okay, how, how is a specific action, like a change in my exercise or a change in my diet actually affecting my, my overall disease risk. And I think that another huge thing here is that, you know, the sad, the sad part for a lot of these diseases is that oftentimes people are going on a diagnostic odyssey to find out, uh, you know, what they, what they actually, what the root cause of, of their symptoms actually is, right. You'll go to a primary care doctor and they won't know. And, you know, I, I have friends who are in their, you know, mid thirties getting diagnosed with, um, you know, uh, IBD and inflammatory bowel disease or, uh, type one diabetes. And, you know, they, they were suffering, they had all this, uh, you know, lethargy or they were, um, just not able to eat certain foods and, you know, they were just misdiagnosed over and over and over again. So if you know ahead of time, okay, I'm at elevated genetic risk for this specific condition, you can more proactively seek out, um, you know, a professional who can evaluate for you for those risks. So I think that's also, you know, just early knowledge, um, is, uh, is super valuable for to just short circuit these sometimes super long, um, time horizons to actually, figure out what the, what the root cause is. And I think th there's also just an enormous amount of preventative screening, right? So right now, healthcare is super one size fits all. It says, okay, you know, when you're 50 for everyone, that's when we're going to start doing uh, a lot of this cancer screening. But you know, if you understand that, okay, I'm at elevated genetic risk for a specific disease, you can proactively tell your doctor, hey, I know that you want to give me the screening in 10 years, but I actually want to start it 10 years earlier so that you can find out about um, you know, whether that, um, disease is manifesting in your body earlier. So, um, there's just an enormous amount that you can do with this, um, information. And I think that, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's funny because, you know, our, our focus is on, um, you know, the reproductive use case, right? We want to help, help couples have healthy babies, but, um, it also ends up being a really motivating factor for the parents, right? Sometimes, you know, you're, you're doing, you're getting this information to protect a future child, but sometimes the, the parents are like, oh, you know, I found out that, you know, I'm high risk for, for X and now I want to do this so that, you know, I can better, um, get, be there for my family. You know, you don't want to derail, have your health derail, you know, five years, 10 years down the line now that you're actually, uh, you know, planning to be a parent. So I think that that's actually another really, uh, beautiful thing about this report is that, you know, we're trying to, you know, protect, uh, you know, uh, a future, a future, uh, human, but we also end up, um, you know, getting the, getting the couple and the parents mm. a little bit more motivated to, uh, work on, work on something that might not have been on, not, might not Beautiful. have been on their radar before. Yeah. Upstream, swim upstream and see what's going there. That's very cool. Yeah. I, I wanted to go back to a point that, I, that, that I think that I hear you right, that, that this, that this test, that ORCID is actually, um, more detailed, more specific, more broad than, than like ancestry.com or 23andMe. Oh yeah, definitely. So there's like a, a couple of ways to evaluate it. One is just, okay, how much DNA is being read by a company, right? So a company like Ancestry 23 and Me is doing something called a genotype chip. So that means that they're looking at less than 2% of your genome. So ORCID is looking at much more. We're looking at 100% of your genome. So 3 billion bases as, a, as opposed to, you know, less than a million, which is what these other companies are evaluating. That's one way to think about differentiation. The second way, 
The second is what are the diseases that are actually being evaluated, right? So we're looking at um, schizophrenia risk, heart disease risk, AFib risk, stroke risk. So when other companies say that they're evaluating risk for these diseases, they're actually only looking at a handful of variants. They're looking at, okay, do you have five different SNPs that might contribute to the disease? In contrast, our risk scores are looking at dozens to millions of variants that are collectively involved in driving risk for the disease. So I think it's really just about how much how much uh, data are you collecting on each individual and then how powerful is the actual risk score that you're using, right? So now that we have these much larger data set sizes, um, you can develop um, prediction, you can develop scores that are much more performative than if you're only looking at uh, a handful of variants, which is what other companies are doing. And then I think the third way that you can think about it is, you know, is this uh, physician, is this clinical grade? So all of our tests are approved by physicians. They're all, um, you know, include guidance from a genetic counselor. So reports come with a personalized uh, walkthrough that a, you know, board certified genetic counselor conducts. You can um, synchronously set up a call with a genetic counselor. We'll connect you with specialists. Like it's really more about making a, you know, helping make a really high impact decision in your life, which is, you know, how are we going to conceive as opposed to, you know, curiosity about mm. your ancestry or, you know, uh, your earwax <laughs> type or something like that. It's sort of, it's sort of d different quality of tests for a different uh, level of wow, importance for a decision. Oh, that's so cool. Wow. Um, what does a genetic counselor do? What are some of the conversations that they have and, and uh, advice that they give or referrals that they make? I'm, I'm curious about that process. Yeah, so I think it's it's really up to to the couple. I mean, they're really driving that conversation. The genetic counselor is there to just you know be a sounding board, be an expert, someone who's really well versed on the literature, really well versed on how on how um, these results are generated to um, help the couple make sure that they understand exactly what their um, results mean. So I think it's it's some some of the stuff that we've already talked about, right? So you know. These are genetic risks, okay? They're not a, a diagnosis. So we don't want to scare people and say, oh, you know, your future child is definitely going to get this this disease. That, that's not what an elevated risk means. It means you're, you're um, you know, twofold, threefold, fourfold, you know, more likely to, to develop it. So I think it's really about making sure that parents, uh, or, you know, future parents understand um, that this is a, a risk estimate. It's a component of overall risk. Uh, normal risk isn't a guarantee of a healthy life. A high risk isn't a, a guarantee of disease. And just understanding that, um, there's a spectrum and there's a distribution of how your genetics impact your health. So, yeah, I just think that, you know, this is a uh, really important um, uh, de decision that people are making is how, to, is how to conceive. And we just want to make sure that they have an expert by their side who understands uh, genetics inside and out so that, uh, you know, they're not confused with what their, what their results mean. I mean, it's, it's actually really unfortunate what, what the consequences are when you don't have that expert there. So sometimes... Um, with other sort of uh, consumer genetic tests where there's no uh, physician in the loop, there's no genetic counselor in the loop, sometimes people will get a mastectomy because they think that their result means, oh, I'm, I'm definitely going to develop breast cancer, therefore I should, you know, make the very, uh, you know, drastic decision of, uh, of um, you know, removing that breast tissue. And I think that that's sometimes that, that, that might be the right choice, but, you know, in, in the case that I'm d discussing, it was just a misinterpretation of what her results actually mean. And that's the, that's the worst case scenario. We want to make sure that never happens. And the, the way that we do that is by making sure that every single test comes with both physician um, authorization. So you can order it directly on our website, but we actually have an independent physician who's actually reviewing and making sure that uh, the couple is a good candidate. And then once you get your results, um, you know, everyone is walked through uh, about exactly what the results mean and has the opportunity to, to consult with an expert. And I think that that engagement is super important to make sure that they have a real action plan, right? Because the last thing that we want is you just, that you just take take the test and you misinterpret what it means. You make the wrong uh, assumptions about what you should actually do. And, uh, and um, 
so yeah, the, the way that the way that we uh, we um, take that on is by just making sure that we have all all the right experts in front of uh, the couple so that they can, um, you know, really make make an action plan that makes sense for them. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you nowadays? I mean, uh, with as many things that we're exposed to uh, environmentally, you know, lifestyle factors, epigenetics factors, you know, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you use the technology that's available? That's that's so powerful to be able to make smart decisions. And, um, so at the moment, the yeah. way, right. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that, that's exactly how I see it. I mean, right now we have more risk mitigation, uh, more research that we're doing about where we're going to go to lunch, right? We go on Yelp <laughs> and, we, and we look at a hundred reviews to make sure that, you know, we get a good sandwich for lunch. Right. But oh, when gosh. it comes, comes, but when it comes to the most consequential decision of your entire life, which yeah. is, you know, how are we going to conceive? People are just rolling the dice. They're going in completely blind. They have no idea what genetic risks they carry. They have no idea what genetic risks their partners carry. They have no idea how it's going to combine. And, you know, there's this sort of this idea of earned versus unearned bad luck, right? So earned bad luck is sort of like, okay, you're a base jumper. You've been doing crazy jumps and then you broke your leg, right? It's sort of like, well, you know, you kind of expose yourself to much higher risk. So it's sort of not very unusual that you'd end up getting that outcome, right? And then there's the idea of unearned bad luck, right? That's like a, um, you know, getting hit by a car, right? It's like you had nothing to do with the fact that someone just decided to, you know, rear-end you. And um, what I think is really exciting about where we are today um, with, with this technology is that, you know, health doesn't have to be a lottery ticket that's doled out unequally at birth, right? Now, for the first time ever, couples have the possibility of actually mitigating genetic risk. They have the ability to say that, hey, I want to roll the dice in my in my favor. I want to stack the odds against disease. And I think that's um, you know, just a really powerful and exciting capability for a lot of these couples who are, are, are you know, some of them who are literally not conceiving because they're, they're so worried about that risk, um, you know, that, that affect, affected them personally being passed on to a child. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I definitely share in your sentiment that the future of medicine is going to be trackable and specific. It's going to be cellular. It's going to be virtual. It's going to be um, – it's, it's not going to look much like what it looks now where you – you know, I grew up with a family pediatrician and I saw my doctor until I was like 20 and he knew me – you know, saw me when I was a baby and I don't think that that's really happening anymore and um, – the fact that we're ha- that, that these technological advancements are coming so f- quickly and so advanced. I mean, the entire genome uh, to be able to look at that wide of information, to have that data, and to make informed decisions about you, like you said, the most important decision in your life, and, and to have a child. I mean, it's 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 huge. It's massive. You know, I go I go back to the time when we decided that we were going to have our first child and it's a big, it's a big deal, you know? And, and I have lots of friends that had a lot of trouble conceiving. It's stressful. Um, there's just so many things to worry about and money and where you live and timing and what your parents are going to say and all this stuff. Like you, you, you want to be able to control for the variables that you can. And if you can be uh, informed about what's going on and what, what sort of, predispositions your your progeny may or may not have is i think so so vital yeah i think it's it's super interesting right because after a child's born right we do everything to 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 try and um 
you know, give, give them the best outcome possible, right? Preschool and, uh, you know, all these different types of toys and immersion programs. And like, if you think about how much that's going to impact their life, I mean, of course, those decisions are important. But, um, you know, for, for a case like my mom, where she just, you know, woke up and her health was hijacked and, you know, she ended up going blind. I mean, what could be more impactful than making sure that your, your child's life doesn't get hijacked by a disease, right? And, um, you know, that just requires some thinking, thinking up front. And, you know, th- th- there's obviously nothing we could do in the past, right? You know, we had to roll the dice in the past, but you know, where we're at today, you know, the fact that you can understand what these risks are ahead of time. Um, I, I just think is, is, you know, for, for, for all of these, these parents who really care about, um, their, their, their children who are doing everything to make sure that, um, you know, they get ahead, um, you know, in, in school and sports. I mean, it, all of that's great, but I mean, everything can get, can get, uh, ripped away from you if, um, your health gets compromised. So it just seems, um, yeah, it just seems super important to, to make sure that this, this type of technology is accessible and available to everyone who could benefit because, um, yeah, it just, it, I mean, it's, it's usually, it's usually a very personal, uh, thing, you know, most of us take our health for granted until, you know, we see a friend or family member or ourselves, um, you know, have, all, all normalcy uh, and, and their plans ripped away from them. And I think it's actually, it's actually kind of humbling COVID is because we've seen how the entire world, you know, entire cities, entire countries has, have just been put to a halt by, you know, a virus that's, you know, a couple of microns in, in size. Right. And um, that, that's what's going on in our genetics too. Right. We have these, these programs that can run in our favor or run, run against us. And sometimes those programs take, you know, decades to, to turn on and, and uh, you know, you know, uh, trigger some, some misrepair, some, some cancer pathway, some, uh, you know, cholesterol aggregation pathway, whatever, whatever it is, uh, that it ends up, um, triggering. But, um, yeah, I think COVID is really humbling in that respect and that it's really taught all of us that, um, you know, health is everyone's top priority. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. You know, by the time, at the time that we're recording this, this is before the official launch and, um, but I have to imagine that you've gotten a ton of feedback already. I would love it if you could share some testimonials, some responses, some use cases for people that uh, that really that really under, really got it and, and got a lot of benefit from it. Yeah, I think that you know some of there's a, there's a bunch of types of stories that I really like. One, one type of story is that you know the the couple that's really worried. They have a lot of family history of disease in their family. And they get a result that says, hey, everything's fine. Actually, you guys are normal risk for everything. You know, that's a result I love to um, I love to, to hear about. Um, for other folks, they had absolutely, um, you know, no idea that, you know, one of them was, was really elevated risk for a condition. Once they did some digging, they found out that, oh, this person in their family who they, who they weren't, um, you know, in, in touch with very much actually, you know, did die of this condition at a pretty young age. And, you know, just... A lot of times these types of, you know, negative information just gets buried and not discussed in, in the family. Um, so I think that's that's a, another, um, you know, type of story that I think is is interesting and sort of, you know, that couple um, ended up becoming much more proactive about um, man- managing their, um, you know, heart disease risk. And um, I, I think that that's, you know, again, it's, it's kind of like the, the um, result I was talking about earlier where, you know, you, you go into it saying, oh, I want to protect a future child. The, the preconception, the, the couple report ends up saying that, okay, your, your couple is at, is your, your future child is going to be at normal risk, but, you know, maybe the, the male partner, you know, you're at elevated risk for heart disease. You need to really address that because you're in the 99th percentile and, um, this could really impact your, you know, um, you know, your future. So that's sort of one of, one of those outcomes where, uh, you know, someone gets to get, uh, information much earlier than they might've, um, 
gotten otherwise, right? It might have been 20 or uh, 20 years down the line where they ended up um, going into for preventative screening and finding out that, okay, this disease had progressed much further than uh, they might have wanted. Um, so yeah, I think that the experiences have been really across the board. Um, you know, people, people, people who are really worried finding out that they're actually, you know, uh, going to be okay. They're at pretty normal risk. People who, um, didn't know, didn't know that they carried any risk at all finding out that, you know, maybe their future child is going to be, uh, likely in the normal range, but individually they, they carry a risk for something that, that, uh, had previously been buried by, by a member of their family. Um, yeah, so it's, it's really been mm-hmm. all across the board. That's cool. Yeah, the, the added benefit of learning a lot about yourself uh, is 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 fascinating to me. Uh, it's you, I mean, for lack of a better euphemism, you kind of kill two birds or three birds with one stone, right? Getting getting the saliva test not only lets you know sort of what sort of risk you're looking for for your children, future children, but also for yourself. That's uh, really cool. Um, so I wanted to hear about the the embryo testing and 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 how that works, and and also I'm I'm curious about I think other people will too uh, be curious about. Um, who all is involved? Like, which doctors? Which labs? How does it work? Like, who who's all involved in that process, and how does how does the the embryo testing uh, actually work? Yeah, so the embryo report isn't going to be launched at the same time as the couple report. So the couple report is going to be available by the end of um, you know the, the waitlist is open. You're going to we're going to be taking folks off the waitlist by the end of um, by the end of April. The the embryo report we're still. Um, uh, you know, polishing up, or we're going to be publishing some studies later this year, and that'll be that'll be available toward um, you know Q4 to so the end of end of this year. But in terms of how the embryo report actually works, or what the process looks like there, um, one thing that I find pretty funny is that most people are familiar with egg freezing. Um, so this is basically the idea of you know women preserving their fertility by um, you know freezing freezing their eggs. But most people don't realize that that's uh, the egg freezing process is actually identical to uh, the IVF process. So um, basically, the next step after egg freezing. So just to, I guess give a quick background on egg freezing is you um, you know women take take hormones for a couple of weeks in order to mature eggs in their ovaries and their follicles. Um, those eggs are extracted by a physician. So that's about a um, 15 minute procedure. Um, after those eggs are taken out of the body, they're fertilized with a sperm sample from your partner. And then those embryos grow for about five days. So it goes from a single cell to about a hundred cells. So once you have about a hundred cells on day five, um, the embryologist will take a few cell, few of those, um, cells and send it to uh, orchid's lab. And then we, uh, sequence the genome of each of your embryos and return a report. So what exists today is a much lower resolution, kind of like what we were talking about before with the um, with the textbook, where you can either read a single, you can just get the chapter summary, or you can read the entire textbook. So what exists today is that they just tell you the number of chromosomes. So do you have the correct number or the incorrect number of chromosomes? Do you have all the chapters in the book or not? Are you are you missing an entire chapter? That's that's the extent of what of what uh, the testing uh, evaluates for today. And of course, that's really important, right? If you're missing an entire chapter in a book, that usually is um, you know pretty deleterious, right? So for example, for Down syndrome, that's uh, you have actually an extra chromosome 21. So you have right. an extra chapter in the book. Can I jump in for so, a second? Because so yeah, yeah I, cause when we were, yeah, 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 of course. again, um, when when we when we had kids and I, you know, it was like you went in at week X, you know, we um, natural uh, pregnancy and went in for a test and I don't know how many weeks into the pregnancy it was, but it was basically like, you don't look like you're a high risk for cystic fibrosis. You don't look like you're a, look like you're a high risk for Down syndrome. Okay, you keep cool. You're good. Like, enjoy, have a great pregnancy. Is yeah. that 
that's what it was. That, or is that what it is kind of today across the board? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So today what they're looking for are these, yeah, pretty, pretty rare conditions, right? Like cystic fibrosis and Down syndrome. They're not looking across the entire genome for what is your susceptibility for a lot of these major diseases. So I, I'm obviously not, I think it's great that we're doing this type of testing, right? Lots of families have benefited by uh, being able to, to mitigate rare disease. It's just, it's just what, what's exciting about ORCID and what differentiates it is just the fact that we're looking, um, you know, at a much more comprehensive scale. We're, we're reading the entire book, reading your entire genome, and we're giving you um, you know, the commensurate insights that you can get from reading the entire book as opposed to reading um, just the, the chapter list. So, yeah, anyway, so what, what's going on, on um, in embryo testing right now is they're just evaluating the chromosome count, which is great. It tells you about Down syndrome, but it doesn't tell you about all these other risks for, uh, you know, cancers, diabetes, um, you know, the diseases that ORCID is testing for. So that's what we're able to provide. We're able to provide not just the uh, chromosome count or chapter summary, but also the risk profile for all these other conditions. And um, that allows the, the couple and the clinical team to uh, implant embryos in the order that mitigates risk for the condition that they've um, identified uh, that well, they're high risk yeah, for. Yeah. So essentially- Yeah, what, what do you mean by that, the yeah, order? Go ahead, yeah. Oh, yeah, so basically during IVF right now, it's kind of like a beauty contest. So you have between you know five, 10 embryos, depends on the age of the couple. And right now there's something called morphology, which is essentially like, how does the embryo look? Does it look like it's going to um, develop uh, well, or does it, does, it, does it not look like it's gonna develop well? So that's kind of a, a beauty contest. You're just visually inspecting, is the embryo, does the embryo look good or bad? And then there's this very rudimentary type of genetic testing, which just looks at, is it, do you have the correct or incorrect number of chromosomes? So, uh, you know, you're not implant, you implant one embryo at a time during IVF because you don't want to risk the idea, risk you know, having twins or triplets. So um, what ORCID helps uh, the clinical team and the couple do is to decide which order the embryos should be implanted in. Right now, they're kind of being, you know, of the embryos that are chromosomally normal, so have the right number of chromosomes, it's just a beauty contest to decide which one, you know, looks the best to implant. So what we're doing is we're providing more information there so that the couple can say, okay, we know we're high risk for cancer and this embryo is lowest risk for mm. um, you know, breast cancer, whatever, whatever disease they're concerned about. And then that way wow. they're able to mitigate risk, the genetic risk wow. for that disease. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So you can look at a, a group of five to 10 embryos and do sort of a visual inspection on how they look. And then once you understand which of the embryos are at which level of risk for different potential diseases and then make an informed decision about which of those embryos gets implanted first, second, third through 10th. Wow. Correct. Yeah. So right now it's just, it's just a random choice. So what we're saying is, Hey, instead of, you know, choosing randomly, why don't you, you know, have some more information to decide, um, you know, which, which one should be implanted wow. in which order. Oh exactly. my gosh. Blowing my mind here. Just trying to like, like absorb that a little bit. I mean, Wow, cool. Um, uh, what what have I what question have I not asked? What what area have have we not delved into that that's really important or that you're really excited about when it comes to orchid? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of more just like the vision. Like, where are we trying to go with this? I mean, the reason the reason you know the state of the world today is kind of uh, crazy. I mean, most people don't realize that you know, over 100 million Americans are living with a chronic disease, and we don't have cures for these conditions. So in, in the best case, these people are leashed to drugs for life that are treating symptoms rather than root causes. And, you know, for every single disease, there's a genetic component. So, um, 
you know, we, we believe in this future where the next generation doesn't have to live a life that's uh, interrupted by disease. So, you know, we believe that, you know, we can actually extend the health span of the, of the next generation, right? Statistically, if you have fewer variants that are going to, you know, confer risk for disease, then, you know, you're going to get it at a lower rate. And, um, you know, that's, that's just, that's just a future that we're, we're super excited about. Like what, what, if, what if the next generation just ha- gets disease at lower rates than the current one? I mean, that's, that's, that's really amazing. Um, so that's, that's really what motivates us is sort of the idea that, uh, you know, we don't have to, um, get our life hijacked by, uh, by a health condition emerging, um, randomly. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, if you, if you choose to smoke and you develop uh, lung cancer, you know, you can't as, as a, as a parent, um, you know, prevent that uh, negative outcome from affecting your child. But when it comes to your genetics, you know, people say diamonds are forever, but you know, your genetics really are forever, right? Uh, until until CRISPR really catches up and we're able to just ed- edit edit our adult genomes at will. But for now, you know, your genetics are with you for life, and the ability, um, you know, for me, I'm really excited, you know, when I become a parent to be able to, um, you know, mitigate risk for for my child to, you know, just lower the chance that they're going to have. Uh, all these conditions that I know run in my family that I've seen affect uh, different family members. I just think it's a really beautiful, you know, it's sort of the gift of a, of a healthy life is something that, you know, before it wasn't even possible to dream that we could be able, that we would be able to, um, you know, affect a future child in that way. And that's, um, yeah, that's just what's really motivating mm. uh, for me about, about, about what we're building. That's a beautiful vision. That's a beautiful vision. I, I love, I love this. This is, this is cutting edge. It's forward thinking. It's we have this technology. Let's use it for good. Let's let's be informed. Let's 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 use data to make smart choices and um, allow it to affect the greater population so that we can be healthy and strong as much as we can control. Right? I think that that's that's wonderful. That's really cool. Um, well, yeah. before, before I ask the, the, the final question, um, where can people either follow you on social media, where they can, where can they find uh, orchid on the internet as well? Yeah. So you can sign up for our, uh, wait list at, uh, orchidhealth.com. And if you want to find us on Twitter, it's, uh, at orchid Inc. And I think on Instagram as well, we're also at orchid Inc. So, you know, we'd love to uh, engage with you. However, you're thinking about um, using their product, whatever your family building journey, wherever you're at, you know, you know, we'd love to, we'd love to hear from you. We're, we're building this for, for couples and for future parents. So um, let us know what you want. Let us know what you want to be different. I mean, um, you know, we're, our, our goal is healthy babies. So uh, let us know what we can do to, to support you in your journey. Oh, that's so cool. Very cool. So this final question uh, is, is, can be based on anything and everything that, that you have come to learn or know, some, some, some greater truth that you know about the world. Um, and you can elaborate as much or as little. It doesn't have to be specific to healthy babies, but it can be. Uh, but please yeah. fill in the blank. Um, everyone would benefit from knowing. Oh, interesting. Um well, I feel like the, the obvious answer is you know everyone would benefit from knowing their genetic risks, but we, we kind of already covered that, so maybe I should do something else. Um, I don't know. Um, that's the only one that's coming to mind. That's Which, that's yeah, okay. that's fair. That's fine. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So every, everyone would benefit from knowing how their genetics are going to impact their future child's health. Here, 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 here. 
Noor, thank you so much for joining me today. I've, I've learned a whole bunch. I know I can think of a couple of people that, um, that I'm going to send your information to, that I'm going to have them go sign up for the waiting list because um, they want to make smart family planning decisions. And so uh, I really appreciate you joining me today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thanks so much, Sean. This was amazing. It's awesome to be here today. Today's episode is brought to you by Natural Stacks. Thank you to Natural Stacks for continuing to support this podcast and making amazing products. My favorite nootropic of all time is NeuroFuel. I love NeuroFuel. In fact, I would not be able to produce this episode week in, week out, sometimes twice a week without NeuroFuel. It helps me laser in my focus. It helps me um, from staying from being distracted. It improves my memory and allows me to stay focused longer and that's important. <laughs> when you're doing anything, you want to do anything well, you got to be able to stay in it, stay in the zone. And NeuroFuel really helps. It's made with four really basic natural ingredients and it's not habit forming. And if you've tried Adderall and you liked it and you want a something natural that's as uh, as effective without the, the, the sort of speed feeling, uh, NeuroFuel might be the thing. Go to naturalstacks.com, use the code OPP15 for 15% off, and enjoy you some focus. And while you're there, you might as well pick up some serotonin brain food, which is one of their most popular products because it helps take the edge off in the afternoon. Instead of, you know, hitting the bong or taking a, you know, taking a half a bottle of wine to the dome, you can take some serotonin brain food, which helps your brain's natural ability to create serotonin. So Again, go to naturalstacks.com and thank you to those guys for continuing to sponsor this podcast. Okay, see you on the internet.